said, I'm from Santa Cruz, California, Vintage Faith Church down there. I've followed Reality Church for many, many years, since you were back at the um, first meeting at the Swedish Hall, and, uh, and then been here several times. I get your weekly email, so make sure you sign up. So I'm like, I'm fairly, I feel like I'm part of what's going on here. And I can say this, and I don't just say this because he's not even in the room. Uh, Dave Lomas is somebody that I've known for, I don't know, 10 years or, or so. I don't know if there's a person I respect more you know, as a leader, faithful, um, through all the difficulties of leadership. So um, I'm just uh, really seeing him as a good friend. And it's just an honor to be here this morning. So we are in a series called Embodying Renewal. And, uh, and it's different things to embody as we move forward in our walks with Jesus. And this morning, the topic that we're going to talk about embodying is this word, repent. Now... I hear that word, and I'm like, uh-oh, like, you know, like, what does this word mean, repent? What is repentance? How do we embody repent, repentance? Um, what I want to say before I even start is just uh, uh, as I begin this, I hope this morning is a morning of refreshment. Um, repentance is really one of the most sweetest words in the whole Bible, when we understand what it is. I hope as I speak of this word repent that those in this room will feel refreshed and encouraged because often we don't think of the word in that way. So that is my hope. And we're going to look into what does it mean to embody and be renewed by repentance. And uh, I want to start out with saying when I first heard this word, I wasn't a Christian growing up. I had no parents that were saying like, you know, you need to be part of a church or... Uh, you know, or friends that were saying, come to this church or do something. And um, when I was at Colorado State University, as a student, there was a guy, and he would come on the campus probably two times a year. He was like a traveling evangelist. And he would set up this little, like a like little box thing, stand on it. And I was always fascinated when he came in, because he was sort of entertaining in a way. But he'd get up, and man, he would just be yelling. And he would use the word repent a lot. Whenever I think of the word, I think of this repent guy, like from Colorado State University. I used to travel around. Um, I was sitting on a planter, remember, because I was fascinated with it. And I think I was fascinated with it because I, I was starting to wonder about God. I was starting to wonder, is like, God, are you real? Is, is, is Jesus uh, from you? Like, I was trying, had all these questions. And when he was there, I'd watch him. And I can still remember a girl came uh, that I knew sat next to me, we were watching him, and then he just points at us, and he's like, repent! And he's just saying all these names to us, like he didn't even know us, and he's just calling us all these sinful names. And then she just looks at me, she's like, it's not very nice, is it? And I'm just like, not really, you know. But I'm like, what does this mean, this repent word? You know, my friends, as I said, I was not a Christian, and I had friends who, um, this one day, I was starting to read the Bible. I bought a Bible. I bought some books about the origins of the Bible. I bought a book on world religions. I can remember I was like starting to search during my college years, saying like, is Christianity true? Is, is this the right religion out there? Like, what is this? And I come into my home, uh, and my friends got all quiet. And it was kind of like, uh-oh, they were talking about me. You know, it was like feeling. I'm like, what's going on? And then they said this, Dan, we're concerned about you. And I'm like, what are you concerned about? You know, and it's like, you bought a Bible, and we see like you got these religious books, and 
we're kind of worried you're going to become like that repent guy, like on campus. I'm like, huh? I'm like, yeah, like, you know, Christians, they, they, they're like, they just talk about repent, repent, and judgment, and shame, and, uh, and they're into Armageddon. Like, they want the end of the world to happen. I remember they said that, you know, and then one, this one girl's like, you're going to lose all your creativity. You know, and one's like, you're, you're, uh, it's like a cult. And I can remember that, like a cult. Like, well, you know, how do you know it's not a cult? Like, when you're in a cult, you don't realize you're in a cult, you know what I mean? So it's kind of like, well, is it a cult? Like, but they were asking me these questions because they cared about me. It wasn't, they weren't trying to, you know, convince me something. Like, they were worried about me becoming a Christian, which is so interesting. And that actually caused me to want to dive deeper and find out, like, how do I really know this is true? How do I know? It's not just the American faith or whatever. It's like, so um, I ended up putting faith in Jesus. Uh, I, I hope so. Dave never asked me. Am I Christian? So, yeah, I am. So, uh, <laughs> um, but, you know, I became a believer and then re- started understanding what repentance was. So, and what this word, it's not like, you know, these signs that you see, like here's like these kind of signs normally when you hear this word and it's kind of like, ah, that doesn't feel good. Um, you know, it's just like these harsh uh, things. And, um, and again, I didn't want to touch it because it felt like it's like a hot stove. You don't want to deal with that negative judgment, shame. But then I found out something the opposite. And it is repent is one of the sweetest, sweetest words in the Bible when we understand what it means. So what I want to do is we're going to look at uh, a bunch of verses. So unlike a lot of teaching often, like I'll take like, you know, a whole section of scripture, I'm going to jump around to a lot of verses this morning. But I want to jump to first Matthew chapter 4, and we see the first words that Jesus said when he started his ministry. The very first word he said when he started his public ministry was repent. Very interesting. So let's take a look at this. Matthew chapter 4, it's going to be verse 37. And this word repent, like, it's, it must be something we should pay attention to. It's in the New Testament 47 times, right? So 47 times, like, we better understand what this word means. Now, before I get to Matthew 4, I want to backtrack because whenever you open the Bible, as you know, being part of this church and how they, how they teach here, is you always should say, like, all right, you might be looking at this, what was happening before that so I can understand what was happening there. And so I want to look at a few things before we get to Matthew 4 about what was going on. So I'm going to open up. There's Matthew chapter 1. And Matthew chapter 1, it's talking about the life of Jesus. And chapters 1 and 2, like if you open up to chapter 1, it's all these names, this genealogy of all of these names. But what this is, it may look boring to us. But if you were a Jewish person back then following this, this would have been the most exciting page. Like they're like... Look, because what Matthew chapter 1 and 2 is, is it's about all of these prophecies that were made about a coming king and a Messiah that were written by the Holy Spirit through people uh, 400 plus years before Jesus. And these were fulfilled. That's why this this genealogy is there, is because it was saying somebody was going to come a king and a Messiah through the lineage of Abraham and David. That's why that this is there, and would be born in Bethlehem. And so you start opening up the book of Matthew, and you read one and two, like, it's happening. Like, it's happening. Look, this is happening. Then you get to chapter three, right? Chapter one and two is about that. Then you get chapter three, and you start reading the story of Jesus, and there's other prophets that they're pulling out and saying, like, look, it's coming true. 
and other prophets, one named Isaiah, over 500 years earlier, is telling about this Jesus to come. And Malachi, a prophet named Malachi, 400 years earlier, is telling about this Jesus to come, and that somebody was going to come that would be a forerunner of Jesus, and that he would be making the way for this king and this Messiah. And then you read, it was John the Baptist, John, who ended up calling John the Baptist because he was baptizing people. That's who they were talking about. So all of a sudden you read this, and you're like, this is unfolding. It's coming true. It's coming true. Like, and you keep reading this about this Jesus. Matthew chapter 3, then Jesus was baptized. And this was such a big event. It was like him now, he, it's like his inauguration. He was now being baptized, and then in the story, the Father speaks. The Son is there, and the Spirit is there, and it's one of these glimpses that God is triune, Father, Son, and Spirit, but it was Jesus then being inaugurated saying, you are now beginning your public ministry. And then before he begins his public ministry, the fascinating thing, then you read this in chapter 4, and it's Jesus going out and he gets tempted. He, he, the Spirit leads him to the wilderness, and then if you read the story three times, he was tempted by the devil, this being called the devil, and he passed the tests. And how did he pass the tests? He was being bombarded with these incredible temptations, and he did not sin, and he quoted truth from Scripture, the Old Testament, each of the three times. So he turned to truth written in the Scriptures to defeat the challenges that he was given. And then he is then another prophecy talks about this Jesus, this Messiah, this King, was going to be moving and go up to this northern area of Galilee. Here's a map. And what you'll see is that he moved up there because of the prophecies that were told. And once again, it was like these are all unfolding. These are all coming true. And he goes from down where he was tempted in the desert. He moves up to the, sh the northern shore of Galilee. And that's also strategic it was a fishing port, uh, Capernaum, and it was so that what he was doing there, because it was a popular place, and sort of you could say a highway going through there, that the word would get out all the more about what he was doing. So all of this is in place. And even right there, it's just like so amazing to see what's unfolding. And then what we see is Matthew chapter 4, verse 17. Everything's set. Here's Jesus. He's about now to start his public ministry. He just passed the test. Uh, all of these things happened. And then we read what, in verse 17. And it says, From that time on, and that time is talking about all the things that I just said. From that time on, Jesus began to preach. That simply means to proclaim that repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. So interesting. Like, why didn't he say, like, hey, guys, I'm here. Let's have community. Let's sing together. Um, he chose, in the recording of the scriptures, the spirit who wrote the scriptures through people, chose to start out with his first word being repent. It's so interesting that that's the word. Now, the second part of the sentence is repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. When you walk in here on a Sunday, up on the screen is in San Francisco, as it is in heaven. Go on the Reality San Francisco website. In San Francisco, 
as it is in heaven. I'm not going to talk about the kingdom of heaven. I'm going to talk about the first word that precedes for the kingdom of heaven is near. Um, so we're going to look at repent. And it's so, again, it's so fascinating. So Jesus' first words of public ministry is this word, repent. So, what does the word mean? The word means to change your thinking. Jesus is on the scene. He's now saying, everybody, change your thinking. And so, what repentant, repent means to be convinced of another way to change one's mind or convictions. When that happens, this should result in a change of actions, not just our thinking, it should come out in our actions. The result is of a change of actions. Repentance means turning from going our own way to going God's way. We all want to go our own way. I want to go this way, right? And what Jesus is saying is, we may be going this way. He makes a call, and he says, repent, change your thinking. And it's actually, if you look into the origin of this word, the biblical Greek word, repent, comes from a military term similar to the word, to the command about face. So it's kind of saying, like, going this way, nope, repent, I'm going to go this way, right? Like, now I can tell you, most of us want to kind of go this way, or at least this way, but Jesus is saying, repent, go in another direction. That's how he started his message. Now, we first repent when we choose to follow Jesus, right? And then we receive the Holy Spirit. If you've put your faith in Jesus, God's Spirit indwells in you. And that is something that when we say, like, my thinking about God or my thinking of who's my king, when I repent and I turn this way to say, just like we heard in the baptism, I'm going to follow Jesus. And I'm putting my trust in him. And he's the one that came, died on the cross, paid a price for sin, rose again from the dead. Like, I'm following him and I trust him. We are then, that's repentance and the salvation is, salvation is given to us and God's spirit is in us. And then our life begins in him. And then we'll constantly be repenting. I'm going to again say why it's a beautiful thing. Because then our life begins with him. Um, everything starts. The decisions that we're making. And now here's something I want to really focus on for a couple minutes. Because yes, you may say yes to Jesus. And you repent of whatever you might be thinking the world is about. Yes to Jesus, you repent. God's spirit is in us. But then life starts. And we want to be repenting, always going in the right direction. But in order to repent, we then need to know what changes in our thinking are needed. We need to know what direction is right and what direction is wrong. Or else we could be walking along thinking we don't need to repent, but we really do. How do we know if we do need to repent? We need to be having a source of truth. And I can say this. Uh, there's a lot of Christians who make a decision for Jesus, and then you repent, like, in terms of I change my mind, I'm going to put my belief in him, but then you just keep going your own way, or mainly your own way, and you're not paying attention to the rest of our lives and the decisions we make and what aligns with what he wants and what he doesn't. And this is why it's critical 
for any believer in Jesus and follower of Jesus to continually seek out truth so you know what's the right direction to turn into or not, to see if you need repentance or not in areas of your life. So this is kind of a common and obvious question. Where do we get the guidance to know where we may need to repent or not? And thank, I thank God for this church in a church that teaches the scriptures and doesn't hold back from teaching the scriptures because a primary source, yes, it's from God's spirit in us, but the spirit gave us the scriptures to understand what truth is and what the directions of life we should be going in or not. And like, I'm just gonna read a couple of verses just to remind you, you probably even know these verses. 2 Timothy 3, 15 and 17, like, how do, I know, how do I know if I need to repent in areas of my life or not? How infants, from infancy, you have known the holy scriptures, which are able to make you wise through salvation, for salvation, through faith in, uh, faith in Christ Jesus. So, of course, like we put our faith in Jesus, we repent, we move in that direction. But then it also says, in all scriptures, God breathed, the Spirit moved the people to put, it's not the Bible, this isn't the Bible, it's like, it's a collection of all these letters and books that God's Spirit wrote through people for us. So, and that's where this comes from. All scripture is God-breathed and is useful for, like, look at this, for teaching, rebuking, correcting, and training in righteousness. Not just for head knowledge, it's so that all of God's people may be thoroughly equipped for every good work, right? We get our source of right, wrong, which direction to go in, which not, from scripture. And the scriptures, again, I keep saying this, it's the Holy Spirit moving through people and writing the guidance that we have for today. Like, let me ask you this. Here's, some, here's a psalmist, Psalm 86, 11. Like, do you feel this? Is this your prayer where it says, like Psalm 86, 11, teach me your way, O Lord. Like, God, I want to go in your direction. I'm following you, Jesus, but I want to go in your direction. How's your, like, your, your passion? Like, teach me your way, O Lord, that I may walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Like, that's a healthy fear. Uh, it's a fear of, like, reverence, and God is awesome, and, and you want to then have that awesome respect for him. But are you in a position in life can you say, like, or don't you want to be like, oh, Lord, like, Lord, teach me your way. Right? That should be our constant thinking. I want to be on the right path so that I would be walking in the ways that you want me to. I want to know your truth. Right? And it's the same thing. It's almost, right, Psalm 119, verse 9. Here's another one. It's another one. You've probably heard this if you've been around churches for a while. How can a young person stay on the path of purity? It's not talking about all the excessive sort of thing. It's just the truth of how do you stay in the, the way God wants us to be moving forward. And it says, by living according to your word. Like you think of this, how do you know, like say, if his truth is in here, and then it says, how do you stay on the right path? Remember going the wrong path, the right path? It's in the scriptures. It's just amazing to me that we're not like, all of a sudden like, God's truth is in there, so you know the right path. It should be like, 
I'm running towards this thing. I'm diving down like I can't wait to have his truth in me so I can learn what the right paths are that I should be going about in. Right? It's just like amazing to have. And then I guess the question is like, do we think about it? Are we really in it if you want to know his truth? Proverbs 3.7. This is something serious I want to raise up and I'm old enough now and seen cycles of a couple generations. And this is heartbreaking to me because of the amount of times I'm seeing it happen. And it's those that put faith in Jesus even. But then Proverbs 3, 7 gives a warning. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Now, what's happening is, my question to you, it's really easy to come up with, and I hear it all the time, my Jesus, my God, my God would believe this, my Jesus believes this, and what a, uh, I don't know what word to say, kind of insane thing to be thinking, if you're saying these statements and coming to beliefs without going into the source of truth because it's happening a lot. If we're not in his source of truth, we're going to start, I know I do, like I can start making up my own Jesus. Jesus would like this. He doesn't like this. God thinks this is like, but not this. And all of a sudden, we're shaping God and truth into what we want to. It's probably, and often it's an easier match to not be in conflict with people and culture around us. That's not easy because we can start shaping truth into our own way and then there's even a really sobering verse. It's one of the scariest verses in those scriptures to me is from a prophet, Isaiah chapter 5 verse 20. Woe to those who call evil good and good evil and put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. You see, I really think this isn't just happening like in the world. You know, there's beautiful things in the world and the culture is amazingly wonderful. And, and, but there's also evil and walkways and of pathways that God wants us to go on that we can start thinking is correct pathways until we examine truth in scripture. And that's what I'm just telling you, I'm seeing this happen more and more with Christians even. And it's just a, it's a scary thing to say, I'm now saying I'm the one determining what someone should repent of or not. Now, let me make a little light of this because I've seen this massive change that's happened when we could say evil good and good evil. Way back in 1929, I think it was, there's Dracula and the vampire movie. And what do you do when you see vampires back then? You kill them, right? They're bad, they kill them. What do you do today? You marry them. Yeah, so it's kind of like <laughs> this whole, uh, it's a change that has happened, like evil good, it's so interesting. 
what are heroes now? What are heroes before? What are the value? Like, and again, uh, here's the thing. If, unless you have a source of truth, you may be directed into like, I'm not, I don't need to repent. I'm doing fine. I'm on this path. But maybe repent means you need to change to a different direction. C.S. Lewis wrote Mere Christianity. He's an Oxford professor. Many people know him. He's quoted quite often in churches. But in the 1940s, the television was being introduced into, into homes. And it picked, it picked up more in the 50s. Um, but they had radio and they had newspaper. Then he makes a, a very alarming kind of cry, talking about you better know what you believe. Talking to Christians. And he's saying theology is actually really important. Knowing beliefs, what's right, what's wrong, what God wants, what he doesn't want. And he says this, theology is practical, especially now. In the old days, now picture this, was the 40s when he said this. In the old days, when there was less education and discussion, perhaps it was possible to get on with a very few simple ideas about God. But it is not so now. Everyone reads, everyone hears things discussed. TikTok is teaching us all about God and all kinds of things, like, and all about beliefs. All of this is going on, but suddenly he says this, consequently, again, this is again the 40s, if you do not listen to theology, and he's talking about getting into scripture to understand what God has given us for direction, that will not mean that you have no ideas about God. It will mean that you have a lot of wrong ones. Bad, muddled, out-of-date ideas. For a great many of the ideas about God, which are trotted out as novelties today, are simply the ones which real theologians tried centuries ago and rejected. I read this and I'm like, what would he say today? Like, you know, I joked about TikTok, but seriously, if you're on, it's just like, it's not just entertainment, funny dancing and stuff like that. Man, it is a lot of teaching. It is a lot of, this is who God is, this is who isn't, this is right, this is wrong. And it's bombarding us, all of the information that we have access to. Again, it's beautiful and it's wonderful, but it, he's saying that all the more information out there, that means there's going to be more wrong information out there. And you might even hear information like he's saying, it's new, you've missed this, didn't you know this? And there's like a new idea. And he makes the great statement, it's probably old ideas that have already been tried by people that know, and it just sounds like new today. But I can say this, it's sucking a lot of people in. I hope not nobody here. Because we, what we think about God, I'm quoting A.W. Tozer, another author, is the most important thing about us. I want to make sure that what I'm thinking about God is really God, not just Dan's version of God. And how do I know? Because I got to be in the scriptures. I got to be learning because there's so much information I need out there. I need to all the more know the truth. And that's why, because where is people? Could be in your, this room today. Everything's fine. I'm going in this direction. Repent. I don't need to repent. I'm going in this direction. And it's what God wants. And we're fooled. When Jesus was trying to be tempted, what did he do? He went back to Scripture and he used Scripture to show truth. Um, man, let me read this. Because in the early church, a guy named Timothy, 
a young church leader, and an older church leader, Paul, was writing a letter to this guy, Timothy, about those that started getting kind of deceived and believing false things. It happens all the time. And here's what he said, because then it comes back to repentance. And he says, opponents must be, I love this word, gently, not angry, <laughs> like gently instructed in the hope that God will grant them repentance, leading to what? A knowledge of the truth, and that they may come to their senses and then escape the trap of the devil who has taken them captive to do his will. The devil tried to do it with Jesus. Jesus was truth and quoted truth, and the test was won by Jesus. Same thing's happening today to us, everyone here. And look at this, like, how do you know that you're not caught in some sort of trap of false thinking? The way you will know is if you're in the truth to see. How do you know you need repentance or not? You got to be in the truth to see. Um, we can deceive ourselves. Up on the screen is this can of Charles Chips. I grew up in Paramus, New Jersey, right near New York City, and my, these, they used to get like potato chips in this metal can. Every Christmas Eve in my family's household, my mom used to make cookies, and these special cookies, and she'd get them, she'd make them wait weeks in advance, and then she'd put them in this can, because it was like this pretty big can of the cook, and put them out in our garage, because the garage would be where you go uh, it was, uh, in New Jersey during the winters, it would be like a refrigerator. So she'd keep them out there, because it was too big to, uh, to keep in, inside the house. And it came out there. Now I remember that, those cookies. And it was like a big deal. Christmas Eve, she opens up her special cookies and gives them out to everybody who comes over Christmas Eve. So I'm coming through the garage. I always take off my shoes before you go in the house. Hey, those are cookies. And I'm like, yeah, I'm going to have one. And I opened it up and I took one out. And I ate it. It was good, you know, the good cookies, right? And then come back in, you know, I'm going to open up again at two. And over the course of the next like week and a half, and I'm not exaggerating, I had every single cookie in that can except for two. Now, here's the weird part. Somehow, I thought my mom wouldn't notice, <laughs> right? Somehow, I thought, like, no. Uh, <laughs> it's like, so, somehow I thought, like, oh, it, uh, it's okay, I'm eating those cookies. And, and I didn't, like, I'm just like, no, it's, I kind of deserve the cookies. I don't know, no one's going to notice, and just kept going, right? And then Christmas Eve happens, down in my basement. And all of a sudden, I hear, the cookies, right? I'm just like, oh, no. Like, all of a sudden, like, I ate the cookies. And my mom comes downstairs. Danny, did you eat the cookies? And I could see there was like upset, but there was hurt because she put so much time into these cookies and she was having guests over to eat the cookies and, and I could see the hurt in her eyes. And then I'm like, I ate them. Now, she didn't condemn me. She just like, why? And I'm like... I was, I was deceived. They were good, but I was deceived. I deceived myself. I'm like, and I'm like, I'm so sorry, Mom. And it was a grieving sorry. It wasn't just a surface, like, yeah, I ate the cookie, so what? It was a grieving. And here's what I know. My mom, she's still alive, and she's in New Jersey, still same house. Um, she loved me, and I knew unconditionally that there was love. And when I then confessed, I ate them, it was love. You know, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing something that's disappointing, Mom. Uh, and, I, and I can tell you this, by that love, instead of shame or something, 
I never ate those cookies again except on Christmas Eve, right? Because of the love my mom had for me. And it's just like, I want to do what pleases my mom. Now, think of God in us, right? He's given us guidance. Again, we have to know what the guidance is. But what's repentance with God? What leads us to repent? Um, Romans chapter 2, verse 4, it says, Do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness? He's saying we've got forbearance, patience, not realizing that it's God's kindness that is intended to lead you to repentance. Right? Because when we really understand it's not about rules, it's not about judgment and shame, it's about his love for us. He created us. He created everything. He knows how he wants things to be. And when we are choosing to maybe go off track, if we're not examining things by Scripture, or we may do it on purpose, right? It's kind of like a heartbreaking thing because we're missing out. Uh, but here's the good news. Repentance is possible at all times, right? To repent is a refreshing thing. Um, I mean, I, could, I can go on and on. Like, I want to say one quick word because here's something else that I think I see happening in the church and I hate raising it up, but I think I'm seeing it more and more. I think because we kind of know God's going to forgive us, he's a loving God, that we then don't take sin as seriously. In Romans chapter 6, verses 1 through 2, it says, what shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? Like, hey, I'm forgiven, so it's not going to be, it's okay if I start doing my own thing here and there. Um, by no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live it any longer? Yeah, again, but then we have to know what is truth so we then know what's right or wrong. Um, I want to show a video clip right now. Um, it's a two-minute clip. It's the, it's the movie Shawshank Redemption, if you know that movie. And there's a scene in it. And the scene is he's breaking out of prison, or he's going out, but what he has to do is he has to crawl through a sewage pipe to get out. Now, I want to put this in perspective, because when we go off track in this thing called sin, or like when, when Jesus has to call us to repent, like, don't go in this direction, because if you go in this direction, we're kind of heaping sewage on ourselves. We make messes, or on other people. When we hurt people, we damage people, we're going outside of what he wants us to do, right, with our lives. And think of that like, if you could get that, because it's, um, but then look at how it ends. Because see, the scriptures say this about repentance. Repent and turn to God so your sin may be wiped out and times of refreshing comes from the Lord. So right now, if you can even think of sin and when maybe you're intentionally in something, but then look at the refreshing that could come. All right, let's watch this, this clip. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out and that times of refreshing comes from the Lord, right? Like, I don't know about you. I watch that and I go like, I put a lot of junk on me. I crawl, I intentionally sometimes get myself in muck. I could hurt somebody, I muck myself. There's all things, sin, and it's just gross. But the good news about repentance, 
refreshing. Like, I'm so thankful in my life. I can't even imagine it. I'm just, when I see that, I'm like, I'm like, oh, God, thank you that you, repentance, I repent, right? It's refreshing. It's the rain coming down of God's love and forgiveness. Like, I repent, right? And his spirit in us, like, please help me change in the way that you want me to. Change my thinking in ways that are not right from you. And it's that sense of it's such a beautiful, refreshing thing of cleansing, right? That's repentance. And then we receive this beautiful, sins may be wiped out, times of refreshing come from the Lord. See, biblical repentance isn't about shame and condemnation in the way. Those, those are actually temporary emotional things. If that's all we feel that's missing re- repentance is, repentance is, is saying like this deep change, like, I surrender, God. I have blown it. I am going in the wrong direction. As I see the truth and I want to get back in the truth, ah, please, refresh. That's repentance. And it's wonderful the deeper flavor of this word repentance and repent is less about like turning away from something and running towards someone. Turning your direction and running. And you know, it's like, nope, 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 nope. You ate the cookies, stay away, right? No. It's been like, come on, like, I love you. And I was like, that was my mom, like, I love you. Um, don't eat the cookies again. You know, if you start, if, you, if you're tempted to them, like, Tell your brother and you guys like help each other not eat the cookies. That's church community. So as I, I'm going to, as I just close up and the band can come on up to the stage, I'm just going to ask a couple questions here, like one with this repent word. One, I want to just ask, do you recognize that God's truth is the right direction? He is God and we aren't. Woe to us. And please check your mind and your heart. Are you shaping your own God? Like, man, I don't like the truth in the scriptures, so I'm going to kind of shape my own thinking. Like, oh, be careful. Please, be careful. It's so easy to do. It's not easy being a Christian today in so many ways. Don't reshape who God is because it's difficult. Um, Ask God to help you understand his truth and then commit to say, I want to pursue what is right and true and keep me repenting in the right direction of my beliefs and my thinking. Let me say second, like be honest with yourself. Like where are you, have you allowed? Maybe it's kind of like, well, I know he's going to be forgiven and we kind of just don't take sin seriously anymore and we allow it to creep in and harden our hearts and maybe even becoming numb. Well, this is the world around me and, you know, I don't know. And God's going to forgive me so I can continue like, oh, please, you're heaping junk on yourself. It's not God's truth. Like, please, like, ask yourself honestly. Look, at, here's the Psalm 139. Search me, O God. And even this morning, afterwards, it's a pause. Search me, O God. Know my heart. Test me. Don't let myself get self-deceived. Know my anxious thoughts. See if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. And the beauty is in First John when it says, like, if we confess, that means agree with our sin, like what we do. He's just and forgives us and purifies us from all unrighteousness. Like, every time I say, my, I think of myself, thank you, God, <laughs> right? Oh, thank you, God. And a third thing is, like, confess your sin to God. It means agree. Don't hide it. Sometimes it's hard to say something because you don't want to admit it to God. Break through that. This morning, break through it. 
like I saw like in the first hour, people are up here praying on their knees, like pray and ask, go oh, God, I got I to gotta break through. I've been hiding, even dealing with this with you. I need to deal with it. Because Psalm 32, blessed is the one whose transgressions are forgiven, whose sins are covered. Blessed is the one whose sin the Lord does not count against them and whose spirit is no deceit. When I was silent, let me ask you this this morning, is the spirit like pushing on you, making you feel like maybe you're going in the wrong direction, you gotta repent over here and change the direction. When you keep silent, my bones wasted away through groaning. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was sapped as in the heat of the summer, but then I acknowledged my sin. Oh God, you're right. I'm gonna repent and help me change, go in the right direction and did not uncover uh, cover up my iniquity, and I said, I'll confess my transgressions to the Lord. You forgave and the guilt of my sin. And the last, like, make changes in your life as needed. Please take this seriously. We're in such a crazy, mixed-up world. Please keep seeking truth so you know, and ask others if you need help. I could not survive the life following Jesus if I don't have people around me I could say, Dan, we're going to pray for you about this, or help me, I'm, I'm tending to you. I want to go like over this direction. Dan, nope, you know, that's not the truth. We're going to help you this way. If you're caught up in some cycle or something, please tell somebody, don't go through it alone. All right, Lord, thank you for repentance. Thank you for this embodying renewal. May repentance be in our moving forward in the way of love that you care for us. Thank you, Lord, that you've given us these truths so we can know it's not about judgment and shame. It's about love, restoration, the right direction that you want us to be in. 